You're listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad Uncut, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead, and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart, and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives, and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Hello and welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast, the podcast about transforming yourself into the leader that you need to be so that you can lead others. Unfiltered is about being authentic, it's being showing up, being yourself, no BS, just who you are so that people can actually see the real you, get to know you. And that's why today we've got an unfiltered guest who shows up exactly as he is, Alain Cormier. Bonjour, good morning, welcome. Thank you for being my unfiltered guest. How are you? Bonjour, Mohamed. I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. So, so good to have you. I'm so excited to talk to you and to learn more about you. And to do that, I'm just going to give a bit of background to my listeners about who Alan is. So, first of all, again, welcome to the podcast. Give you a bit of background about who Alan is. Alan experienced an unexpected turn when he was 19 that changed his life and his career. It helped him find techniques to healing himself through meditation, energy, and plant medicine. Today, he helps entrepreneurs, leaders who struggle with anxiety and subconscious trauma to find real healing on the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual level through purpose and by understanding the human potential and infinite possibility of creation by embracing various levels of living that are available to each and every one of us levels that surpass anything that we can imagine through the lens of our own perceived limitations. So Alain, we are limitless beings, as you say. That's why I'm so fascinated to talk to you today. And that's why you're my unfiltered guest. Welcome and tell me, who is Alain? And what is this personal transformation that has made you who you are? Hmm. So that's... Um... <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep question, a multi-layered answer, I guess. But on the surface, um, I'm someone who has a um, compassionate heart and um, really passionate about emotional empowerment, mental empowerment, human potential, human uh, peak performance. And I guess landing on this journey for me was in a way destiny just looking at the at the at my history and the things that happened without me really asking for uh, when I was 19 as you mentioned in, in my intro uh, I had unexpected panic attacks kind of just show up in my life and they were unexpected because I didn't realize that I actually had anxiety I was just so used to living inside of it and I couldn't, mm. I hadn't really put a label to it. These butterflies and these like the, the, te the tension, unnecessary tension, but everything flared up to it, the perfect storm. And I had my first panic attack when I was in my car alone at night. I was like five minutes away from my house, almost home, you know, but um, I gave into the sensations, the experience. And it was, um, I experienced it as a near-death experience because my only 
conclusion in the moment was that my body was was decided to stop functioning and I was going to die. And so I had 911 on the, on the line and uh, she helped me just to breathe and the ambulance showed up and they got me on oxygen and everything, got, everything was fine. The doctor told me at the ER that I had a panic attack and I didn't believe him. I was like, no, no, there's something wrong with me. Like, you don't understand. But anyway, so long story short, that led me down a path of seeking answers. Um, I never believed that um, medication was the answer for me. Um, and so I found meditation instead. Like that. And uh, at that time on my journey, I was really alone and uh, it was brand, everything was kind of brand new. So I, I really hung on to meditation really, really strongly and it served me really well. Um, and then that was, that was the, the path from there. And I found out as I was helping myself uh, with meditation and just like these disciplined practices of self-care, I was getting better, but I was seeing, I had some friends who had anxiety and they were on meds and they weren't improving. Mm. I was seeing anxiety from a whole different lens. Um, and I, that opened my eyes to some of the gifts, some of the things that I have to share. Um, I'm here to share with people. And uh, that's where the journey into coaching and doing healing work uh, began was just, I've helped myself. There's people struggling out there. Okay. I got to step, I got to step up. You know, that's when I, you know, we have similar paths. And when I was discovering who you were on LinkedIn and decided to reach out to you, it's your story that intrigued me and piqued my interest because part of what I'm trying to do on this podcast is to have men become more emotionally intelligent and self-aware. And um, I, I think our sister genders, so women tend to be more emotionally uh, aware of themselves and intelligently capable of understanding their emotions and using them to structure their life and understand themselves. And men tend to structure themselves around the box of definitions, such as if I'm a leader, if I manage projects or people or resources, you know, I, I belong in a certain structure. And all of a sudden, it, it, it's based on a role and not based on listening to our bodies and and to our minds and, you know, listening to you talk first, it encourages me and inspires me because I want to change that mentality where men can't talk about these, what we call soft skills, I call essential skills. You know, we, we have the feminine and the masculine within us and it's being in touch and balancing those two wonderful aspects of our humanity. So when you talk about that, I, again, it resonates. Um, I rarely ask my guests this, but this event happened to you when you were 19. How old are you now? 31. Okay. And the reason that I, I, I ask the relevance to that importance is I, it shows in the maturity and how you've been able to deal with it. Because I'm sure going from a, a life-threatening event like that and thinking life is over and being able to master it. And I love the way you say through meditation, not medication, and then helping yourself, healing yourself so that you can heal others. At the end of the day, we are here. If we have a message, whatever that message is, the only way that we could spread that message is by commanding a presence in people's hearts. And we do that by servitude. We do that by first creating an authentic relationship, connecting with people, and then those people are responsive to listen to us. So 
going to turn it back over to you. I just wanted to let you know that that so resonates with me and hearing a brother talk about um, the importance of that wholeness within you and how it shows with how you preach. And maybe preach is, is, is maybe not the right word here, but you know, how you serve. So let me ask you, you chose meditation over medication. I hate medication, by the way. Um, and I do prefer meditation. So let me ask you, was this uh, something that you decided from the get-go? No, I'm not gonna med myself. I'm going to med med meditate as opposed to medicate. Um, or did it take you time to fall into that acceptance? It didn't take time to fall into that acceptance at all. The, uh, I, when I look back, I really feel there was uh, some sort of higher guidance in um, to really to, to kickstart my healing journey because my background before that growing up, like my values around health were made so that I wasn't even thinking about medication. My mom was a nurse. She made sure we ate our vegetables when we were young and there was just, it was a natural products at home, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I had a pretty strong stance on, on medication, um, but I never thought that I would fall into a situation where I might entertain the idea of, or might see them as a, as a, as a possible help. Um, so the first thing I did after the day after my, my first panic attack was uh, I sought help. So I made a, I scheduled an appointment with a psychologist, but I had two weeks to wait and I, I didn't, I didn't have two weeks to wait, you know, like I, mm. um, so I went to chapters and I went to the self-help section and I found this book that was just, that was the book. It was called uh, train your mind, change your brain. Mm. Uh, I forget the name of the author right now, but what that book That's taught me is, what's that? Catchy title. Train yeah, your, I know, right? Train your it was mind. just like, as, it's like yeah. it, it's, that's exactly what I need. I need to train my mind to change my brain and figure yeah. out what's been going on. And so that book, the main insights from that book was that by training my mind, I can leverage neuroplasticity within my brain, create new connections. Um, and so I kind of had like a feedback loop on my meditation journey. And the meditation journeys was uh it sounds like it was maybe like a smooth journey but it was really a struggle for months and but this book was just enough to gave me everything I needed just to believe to believe that the process was going to get me where I wanted to go and what meditation was like when I first started it was like five minutes of closing my eyes connecting to my breath I would I would count my breath that was my first my first technique my intro into it and every time my mind would get distracted into all these, like the monkey mind would kick in, which was instantly, I would have to go back to the breath and restart my count, restart my count. So it was just a focus exercise more than sitting in meditation. But what I was learning from the book was that every little improvement that I perceived or that I thought that I perceived, or I attributed those subtle shifts as a new connection in my brain. So that was enough to, okay, okay. If something might be working, I'm going to try again. So I would, I would Did meditate. Did you feel it? Was it something felt, you felt? Yeah. Yeah. More, uh, more as I progressed, the, the feeling became more uh, pronounced, more noticeable, like the, the effects and the benefits. Um, but I would meditate two to three times a day for five. I would give myself like a five minute um, target, but then sometimes it would go on for 10, 15. But 
what I found was that after five minutes of struggling between the monkey mind and my breath and trying to just bounce back and forth, I was a little bit drained on the other side, but I also felt a little bit more grounded and understanding what I do now. It's like I was shifting out of the high beta monkey mind, um, like the, the danger zone in terms of brainwave frequencies and into some, some more relaxed alpha states. And, um, but so noticing that I was a little bit less triggered, more grounded, more in my body, just a little bit, I knew I was like, I'm winning, I'm winning. There's something shifting. I'm training my mind and it's changing my brain. And I'm going to keep going. You know, people tend to think that focusing is easy. You know, the, you, when you're scatterbrained and your thoughts are all over the place, people think, oh, I'll just get focused. And they make it sound like it's an easy thing. Like, hey, just look ahead and kind of come right here and you can see it, right? And it's hard. And I know because I, you know, I, I'm not only a monkey in the Chinese calendar, but I'm a monkey all the way around. Like my monkey brain, I, you know, I get up in the middle of the night and I meditate and then I try to get to try to go to bed, my mind is so lucid that that seems to be the best time for me to think. And I think, you know, Europeans in the past used to get up in the middle of the night to think and write. So I know that there's something to, there's something to that time of, of night or day that helps us connect with the mind. Uh, but the point I want to get to is I try to fall back asleep. It takes me like an hour because my mind is racing through these ideas while my body's saying, shut up, I want to sleep. And then during the daytime, there are so many thoughts and so many things I want to do. And it feels like I'm on a 16 lane highway, jumping from lane to lane, managing and, and maneuvering wonderfully, but not able to do that. And mm -hmm. so I'm always, I always feel like I'm on a highway shifting between all the lanes. Again, I'm driving like a spectacular chauffeur just you know i'm all over the place but do you know what that's like when you're always trying to be aware and being defensive driver and making sure you're not running into other cars and right and you've got nothing to guide you except your senses you've got no left turning lane or any of that like you just gotta be aware and that drains me so even though i i'm very high energy but what i find is that high energy drains my body not just my mind but drains my body. And so as you talk about it was difficult to shift into that focus, man, do I know what you mean? Because people seem to think that that, you know, stage of sitting there and, you know, it's not that sort of a moment. It's a struggle to turn off, to acknowledge those voices, but then to be able to appease them and almost pacify them, not silence them, but to say, I hear you and I, we need to go to a different place. And I see how relevant this is with your potential clients. And I'd like to maybe get you to elaborate who your potential client is. But I see how relevant this is today in the age of everything fast. And I don't think we've slowed down at all during COVID. I think we've gotten faster because the immediacy of information, it's right there, meaning that everything's so within reach. It's now I've got not only one car that I'm driving, but if you see my setup here, I've got two computers, a monitor, a phone, an iPad, another tablet. And so, you know, I've got things that I need to be mindful of. But the thing I'm not being mindful of is me, my mind, and my, my body. And I love the way, you know, you, you talk about the difference between mind and, and brain. I want to come to that in a minute. But help me understand who's your client and how do you get them in the zone? Yeah, um... 
the when I when I first got into this doing this kind of work, I was the kind of client that I was focused on is different than who I'm focused on now. And it just kind of evolved organically. It's the kind of um, the people that started showing up in my world uh, as potential clients really opened my, um, gave me clarity. It's like, okay, surrender to this. And it's been, it's been mostly men and men who are like you and I, they feel a certain sense of connection to their emotions. They recognize the relevance, the importance of um, doing the work. Um, maybe they recognize that they're stuck in their heads and it's draining them, or maybe they um, feel like they're emotionally stuck. There's certain things they want to do. They know they got to do this action, but they just can't get themselves to do it because we're emotional creatures. We're driven by our emotions. And if you don't feel like doing this, if your body is not going to let you open up to do this certain thing, you're not going to get yourself to do it because your emotions are, drive, are, are essentially driving the ship. Um, and so to help my clients get in the zone, I work on the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual level. The physical level, it's the, it's the world of the emotions. Emotions are the language of the body. Um, that's where I like to start because um, what I found on my journey is that the more emotional healing work I've done, it's kind of, which, which involves going into, into traumas, uh, oftentimes unconscious traumas, traumas that you don't even know are traumas because they were so subtle, but they happened when you were really young in a time when you're really mm. vulnerable, but it still creates an emotional narrative that ends up um, uh, shifting the course of, of your development of your life as a child. And that narrative doesn't die. It doesn't go away, but it, and it, it just manifests in your development as an adult. So a lot of the noise that goes on in here is actually, I see it as like, uh, it's like the static of the emotional charges of our trauma that's still alive in our body and it bubbles up and then we experience it. So if there's a lot of trauma, a lot of these narratives that are neg neg negative and painful in nature that are still existing in our body, then it creates a lot of noise in here. Um, and so that's where I like to start. I like to start kind of call it deeper go deep into the emotions because that's where the most impact can be created uh, the fastest in my experience. Um, and so by quieting down the emotional, um, by kind of taming the emotional landscape in the body, it, it, has a, it has a result, an effect on the mind as well. Um, and yeah, so that I've become increasingly passionate about emotional healing as I've dove in. When I started, it was on my journey, it was the mind, it was meditation. How do I quiet this thing? But the deeper I dove into my journey, it became about, oh, how do I feel amazing all the time? How do I not feel this thing? How do I heal the mm. resistance for doing this, taking this big leap or et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so I've become really passionate about healing the body, healing the emotions um, as a way to heal everything. It's a, it's a deeper level of healing because you've gone beyond the, the, the pain and the open wound. You've moved towards perhaps a, a scar that now you recognize its presence, 
but you also know how to make sure that it doesn't get, you know, it doesn't open up that scar, doesn't necessarily continue to, to become a wound, right? And when I see, when I hear you talk about how you've gone beyond just that mind of the emotional uh, volatility and trying to create that more inward peace, it's because I feel like you've gone to the next step. And I think that's part of the journey is where we want to go. Now, is that why you're saying your client has changed or, and how has your client changed? Who's your client now? My, well, yeah, so I've recognized my client now is a man who is a leader in the world, might be uh, an entrepreneur, uh, business owner, might be, um, I've worked with uh, ex-professional athletes who, uh, so a man who's got, um, Who's, who feels like he is, he's got a big purpose. Maybe he's on it or maybe he feels that he's moving towards it, but there are some blocks. And most of these, most of, most of the time, these blocks are unconscious. They're unidentified. But when you come up against them over and over again, you start to recognize there's something there, but because it's unconscious, we're blind to our own, uh, to our own stuff. Right. And so I recognize that, like you, you mentioned at the beginning, women are more naturally in tune with the right brain, with the emotions and with that whole landscape. But in our culture, these, there's these, these collective beliefs about like, I learned at a very young age that men don't feel men, it's men don't show emotion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've recognized that's, it's, um, it's very, it's very real out there. There's a lot of men mm. who, uh, and we're, we're living in a time where the feminine is rebalancing itself, right? right? And so this is manifesting in uh, collectively, but also individually. So I've recognized that there's a lot of men out there and increasing, maybe not a lot, but an increasing amount, number of men who are starting to feel these things that they, they don't really quite understand, but they know something needs attention. Um, and so that's, that's where... I didn't really choose that path. I feel like that path kind of chose me and now I'm on it, but it's really- I like the way you say it. It's a re-imbalancing of the feminine and, and not woman, because I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, rebalancing of the feminine. I think even the feminine within men, yeah. right? Right, and, and we, we like even saying that to me right now feels like I'm saying something wrong. People are gonna look at me saying, are you for real? And I don't, you know, we're nurtured by women. Let's face it, we, we were born of woman, we're nurtured of woman. And I'm not here talking about sexuality or sexual preferences. I'm talking about physiology, right? Like yeah. how we are born and how we live and from where we come, you know, as far as I know, it's still women who give birth. And so I think that there's, uh, there's some sort of significance, obviously, in that childbearing experience. But why do we divorce ourselves? The minute we come out of the womb, it seems, and we are no longer dependent on our mothers to wean us and to care for us, we rebel and we become independently ignorant. And all of a sudden, the feminine is not anything that we embrace as men. We are told we have to be these tough pillars of masculinity. And I struggled that I was bullied when I was younger because I was not the tough puller of masculinity and I've always been in touch with my femininity. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always expressed my masculinity when I needed to, but I've always been in touch with femininity. And it wasn't that with women, I was one way and men with the other. It depended on the person like you. I'm able to talk about these things and be comfortable in that space because I, we're connecting. And what I'm hoping to do 
is to do what you're doing. And that is take that message and connect it with others and kind of bring the blocks together, put the Lego together and say, it makes sense. Look how it fits. But I want to ask you, because that's very brave what you've done. I've toyed with the idea in my coaching that I want to coach men only. And I put a survey out there and I said, what would you do if I only coached men? And some women said, well, I'd be offended. And some men said that, you know, may, I don't know. Um, it's funny now that I'm sharing this, more women actually took a stance one way or the other, as opposed to most men didn't care. So I'm asking you, because I've toyed with this idea that I only want to coach men because most of my potential audience are men that I'm trying to, or the alpha male, right? There are some women who are alpha male, but it's the alpha male that I'm trying to get to recognize and be more emotionally intelligent. Now you've made a conscious decision, decision intentional that you're coaching only men. I mean, I didn't make a conscious decision and I'm not closed to working with women. Um, I've just, it's, it seems like the, the universe has been sending mm. me that type of client. And so that's yeah, where fair I, I kind of, I kind of surrender to, uh, I, I saw the, I noticed the pattern early on and it just keeps happening. So my focus is, is around, like, I, I share that purpose and that vision of helping mm. the ones who are ready, the ones who are kind of feeling that thing. They know they're blocked. They, they, they want to take their lives to the next level, but they feel, and they, they don't understand why they, are not there yet well then they start seeking but it, it, it comes down to emotions it comes down to our emotional patterning uh the traumas that we've experienced etc cetera, etc cetera. like and i i feel that because we're in this time of rebalancing the masculine and the feminine then the feminine side the feminine expression in strong grounded men is still is, is emerging as well Mm -hmm. um, some will, if it clashes with their identity, if some will push it away and ignore it, but the ones who recognize that it's necessary for them to become all that they are to really live their life fully, it, you gotta, those are the ones who recognize the value in embracing it. Um, and I just, there's a big need for that. Um, as, as it's become very clear for me that there's a big need for that. And, um, I, I just happened to have things happen to me that led me on a journey mm -hmm. that <laughs> led me down this path of finding these, um, this kind of healing within myself. And I mean, the work's not done. <laughs> it's, and the perhaps the other ends. part of the yin and the yang is, is that there are women who are also embracing the masculine, ba you know, balancing within them. So it's not just to say that men are all of a sudden becoming more self-aware of their femininity or the feminine within them, I should say more correctly, but there are women who are also, and I think that's what makes us more holistically show up that we can embrace who we truly are and different spectrums. I, I can understand that different people have different capabilities to balance, but women are also, I'm assuming, experiencing the same reality of rebalancing, I wanna call it. Would, would you say in your experiences? Um, yeah, I think it, it's absolutely, it's manifesting collectively in both men and, and women. Um, and I think, I, I just had a thought when you were uh, talking there that a part of why I think I feel called to work with men mostly is because 
the rebalancing we you know our society was it's like a patriarchal society and mm-hmm. there's no lack of masculine drive is actually if you look at things in the way they've unfolded there's there's an imbalance that can be observed um but the women are already for the most most of them like in tune with the feminine side right and they've had to deal and cope with the excessive the rest of masculinity and so it's easier i think it's it's more natural more natural and effortless for a woman who is connected to her right brain and to to really embrace this rebalancing Uh, but for men who have grown up in uh, certain culture certain beliefs that those those feelings you know don't go there you just uh, don't do just that block right. yourself yeah. off and that's exactly. what i used to do as well as like i would feel emotions and i would just no 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 just block and you know i guess to be fair to it's two men here talking about what a woman can or can't feel or is feeling and you know respectfully i you know i i think we're saying that from an experiential from from our professional or pro- personal experiences in speaking and feeling with women and not necessarily speaking on their behalf so i just want to acknowledge that you know as two men talking about what women are feeling these days i I don't think i'm not being so presumptuous that i'm saying we know it's more and because as men i think we are listening and in this allyship to shift the landscape to make room at the table when it comes to leadership that there's better representation for all different types of leaders at the table, but particularly women, because I think they've been excluded from the conversations and the presence at the table where decisions are being made. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there so that nobody's saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't feel represented here. So yeah, I think it, there's value in bringing up uh, both uh, both sides, because it gives contrast to the main point that we're talking about, It's in, in, which is the emotions of men and the, the rebalancing of the feminine right. within men. Uh, right. But it's happening on both sides, for sure. Right. So let me ask you, and this is where I get to the part of the interviewer. I ask my guests to help me with the unfiltered thought of the week. And that is where you share either a life experience or learning from a life experience, a piece of advice or something that you can help us find that rebalancing. So I'm sure this is a conversation that you're having with your clients every day, how they can manage to develop that balance. What could you share today with my listeners to help them find that balance between the feminine and the masculine, the right and left parts of the brain here? There's, uh, my mind's going in quite a few directions. The first thing that came to mind is, um, might not appeal to everybody, but it's had such a big impact on me that I feel it's definitely, I feel inspired to share. And my journey with plant medicines um, was the, the biggest game changer in, in for, for myself in terms of emotional healing. Um, there came a time on my journey that I was uh, um, offered to join a group on a, a trip to Peru. And we, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Sorry. I thought yeah. I lost the, uh, the, uh... yeah, it's all good. Okay. Can, so can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah, we're good. So I was invited to join a group to, uh, for a trip to Peru to, uh, we're going to an ayahuasca retreat and I was excited for it. I didn't really know what to expect. And, um, uh, going into it, I had a, a certain intention, but my intention was not emotional healing. 
And what I got was as soon as the, you know, we were, the shaman did it, it's his thing. We were like 10 of us in, in this hut and, and we drank the, the medicine and it takes like, you know, 30 minutes or so to kick in. And as soon as things started kicking in, I started feeling emotional, but I was really comfortable. I felt really safe in, in my emotions and what was coming up. And, and I cried and I cried and I cried for hours. It was on and off. And it kept like, I would have another, like uh, I would cry and feel like I was done, but then this other vision would come and I would cry again. And that went on for like three, three or four hours in the last part of the ceremony, I was in pure bliss. I was feeling like I'd never felt so clear, so pure before. Uh, so I was just very, very grateful. So the, the following ceremony, I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm cried out. Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen this time. And then I cried some more and I went deeper. And this time there was like more sadness uh, coming through and uh, like some more challenging emotions. But again, on the other side of the whole experience, so I had like an hour in the end where I was in pure bliss and I just couldn't believe what I, what I experienced. And that opened the floodgates for me to really start to learn how to process my emotions. Um, so that's why I feel very inspired to share that because before that first ceremony, when I started feeling so comfortable crying, every time there was something that was bothering me, a certain emotion, I would push it away, push it down. and Suppress. That, suppress I, I couldn't remember the last time I had a good cry to process emotions maybe never um, before that ceremony and then what happened in the integration following my, my ayahuasca experience was every time a certain emotion would come up in journaling or in, with anything I would force myself to let it come up and feel it and feel it kind of feel the facial expression that resonates with those attachments and just really feel it. And then sometimes I would have a little bit of like a little tear and it would just, but that it was kind of like, like working a muscle of processing, learning how to process my emotions fully. Um, so there are so many modalities out there that can help for emotional mm. healing. This was like the biggest catalyst for me. Then what's sustained that practice and deepened that, uh, that experience is is journaling i journal about my emotions specifically the practice just it just kept evolving but i'll sit down and i actually started journaling my computer because i can process faster uh -huh. and so i'll just sit down after a meditation when i'm feeling really clear and i am feeling this or today was blah, and just go into a certain emotion and then see where it takes me and i always it's because when when i get in that flow of processing then it seems like I can come to my own conclusions sometimes, um, start to make connections about the root of a certain emotion. If I'm feeling this, well, it go, it, oh, it's like this emotion might be, might go back all the way to childhood and understanding where it came mm -hmm. from. There's a lot of value there um, because then I can heal the root and then the pattern can go away. So um, as like a daily practice that anyone can jump into journaling and like emotional journaling, very very powerful very life-changing for the brave of heart travel to peru and see where it takes you <laughs> I, and i have to ask I, i'm definitely on board with, with the journaling and i'm definitely on board with going to peru some when we can travel again i have to ask you about this plant medicine and and i do this respectfully do you, do you know what it was and it was your experience kind of this um the extraction of your pain through your tears and the crying 
was that from the plant or was that a combination of the plant and something else? Or I'm just curious. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with ayahuasca, it's an indigenous um, shamanic brew that involves there's two plants. There's uh, chakruna and ayahuasca and they're brewed together. Um, and one of them has a psychedelic compound and the other one has an inhibitor. And so when they work together, the psychedelic compound in ayahuasca is, uh, or I think Chakruna has the, uh, the, it's DMT. So DMT is dimethyltryptamine. We have, uh, our brain produces DMT when we sleep. So it's a very, very potent uh, uh, experience. It's a very potent psychedelic uh, compound. And when you uh, ingest it with the inhibitor, the inhibitor prevents or slows down the, uh, the, meta- uh, the processing, like, or it stops the, our brain from metabolizing the, the, the molecule. So it prolongs the experience. Amazing. Um, and the, the, those cultures have been using ayahuasca for healing for, for thousands and thousands of years. So I didn't know too much about it going into it. I was just going along for the ride and, and knew, I had this, this knowing, I had this yeah, knowing yeah, that yeah. it was going to be really significant for yeah. me. And I just had to go, um, and it's a combination in, in the experience. It's a combination of uh, there's a, because there's a, there's a certain degree of surrendering to the, to the teaching of the plant. There's really, it's, if you've never experienced it, it's hard to really wrap your head around this plant has an intelligence and it works with you through you and for you. And mm. that's what I experienced was a surrendering to whatever this plant's agenda had. I want my some. Healing. I want some now. <laughs> it's, uh, it was, and in those, in the, in the challenging moments, I kept telling myself, no, this is healing. This is healing. Remember you came here for healing. It's healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other, on the other side of the, the whole, uh, the whole ceremony or the second ceremony, the shaman communicated with me that uh, he said what you experienced was mother ayahuasca brought you progressively all the way back to your childhood to to process all of the sadness that you had pushed away it's a cleansing so it was um it was a combination of me surrendering to the experience but also just having this this beautiful intelligence presence warm it's like a it's like a motherly kind of uh influence that there's like a a sense of safety protection um with ayahuasca it's uh, there's several cultures in south america that use ayahuasca separately in in like you know thousands of years ago before technology and they couldn't communicate with one another but they all called it la madre madre. and it's not available here uh i mean there might be some underground communities around like here who knows, but, right. uh, but amazing traveling to Peru is, is, is traveling to going with like the tradition and the indigenous uh, practice and the shaman. It's like, part of the experience. It's, it's part of the experience. You're in the land, you're in the environment yeah. and the energy. And, 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 and the mother, just for anyone who's, it, it means the mother. And, the mother, you know, yeah. and, and isn't yeah. this amazing? We come back to the feminine. We come back to yeah. our source. We come back to that sense of safety I think when we are enveloped in in the womb and the protection of the feminine we can truly evolve before we need to come into the the perils of this world 
and you know whenever we need to protect again i think we can use the feminine to protect we can use that motherly love and presence to help us recharge and you know when i hear of your experience with ayahuasca it, it, that cleansing but at the same time acknowledgement and and the presence and the understanding and the coming back to who you were it, it like it, it just I feel it here like I, I want some right but it, but you're right it's the experience it's being in Peru it's being with a shaman it's 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 going back to something you know today we go on here and we try to find you know an app to calm us down or, or to help us breathe but communities who have a connection with the earth and with the madre connection with Gaia, connection with whatever you believe this greater universe to be by embracing and acceptance, accepting and, and I think respecting nature. And I think that's what nature is trying to tell us now with this whole COVID thing is respect me. You've really you've not been respecting me lately. And I think if we can go back to that full respect for the mother, then I think we can truly embrace and come into the being that we need to be in and be whole and men and women. So I, I think it's a matter of just that consciousness, right? And I don't think we've, we've referred to it this way, but as the more we talk about it, it feels like an overwhelming consciousness that you know we, we should be moving towards. So any closing remarks from you? I, I, I could talk to you about this for another hour. I just wanna be respectful of your time, but any closing remarks about, you know, or takeaways that you'd like to share? I'd like to add on the connection to the mother that you were, uh, that the loop that you opened up there. Um, and the, the importance of honoring our connection to the mother, to mother earth, to uh, the mother, uh, mother ayahuasca is that mother nature, mother right. nature, you know, it's a manifestation of mother ayahuasca is a manifestation of mother, mm. of mother nature, you know, mm. and for for me some of my core wounds the uh, emotional wounds that i had to find healing in um were around my relationship to my mother and Amazing. i think a lot of men out there based on the work that i've done with men so far there's a common thread that the relation our relationship to our own mother is wounded in ways that we don't understand that we can't we don't know that that it is because when we come into the world as little tiny infants we're so vulnerable and our emotional needs are are so important they're vital if our needs are threatened if our needs for, for nurturing for safety security for love and affection if 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 those needs aren't fully met it creates emotional trauma because we're so mm. dependent we're so dependent on that attachment being healthy and so a lot of the issues that emotional issues that men have later on in life and adulthood can be are often traced back to the relationship that they have with their mother and I've helped quite a few men understand that you know they came in thinking my relationship with my family was great I had a great childhood and my mom loved me it's like, yes, I'm sure that's absolutely true. Every mother loves their children, but it's where your needs met. Mm. Was, she, was she too busy? Was she stressed out? Was she, uh, was she absent? 
did she did did she neglect giving you love because she was doing dinner when you needed that nurturing and those things that happen at such a young age have a, an impact on the way that we develop right. emotionally and creates trauma so Maybe. it comes for men the relationship to the mother very very important very Isn't significant it? to explore yeah well, i mean i i think we cut the umbilical cord between us and the feminine much too early and then when we try to recapture that in our relationships, whether it's at home or in the workplace or in our interactions, regular interactions with um, as men with the opposite sex with women, I think we forget the unique bond that we share with the feminine. And I think the more we can embrace the feminine within us, the more we will understand the feminine that's without us. So yeah. thank you for helping me and helping the listeners to share that today. It's a, it's a deep topic. I think it's one that's close to my heart. The more I want to become an ally to um, changing how men perceive women and how women perceive men, just to change that landscape, you know, talk about more gender equality and, and while diversity is a fact and inclusion is a choice, belonging is, is a very intentional opportunity to sit at the table and break bread and then give that piece of bread to the person who's sitting beside you right it's that offering of what belongs to me can now belong to you and that's how we belong to one another so thank you for sharing that and um, I look forward to future conversations amen thank you so much for for having me today this was a great conversation really enjoyed it so fitting for a Friday all the best bro take care I'd say take care man take care bye-bye Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.